Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. We are continuing where we left off in our service. Uh, this, it, it is also uh, 5-2-2021. We're continuing with the thought of the week and prayer. Okay, thought of the week. One of the largest distractions by far are those who were subject to their morality over God's righteousness. There is a pride that comes from their works. The root of this is again, they are comparing themselves with others. They can clearly see they are better, wiser, and make better decisions than others. If only, if only others could behave like them, they would be good too because they see themselves as essential or good. Then God must also see this as well. They assume that because God is good, surely he would see that they are good too. They do realize that they are not perfect or find it easy to excuse their shortcomings. They know that they know they make mistakes and not always good. But certainly God must know of their heart of the spirit, their honesty and their integrity. They commend themselves for being far better than most. Again, they have rejected the bad thing. God has already spoken, and none in Adam can change his mind. All are lost, and while they may be blind to their unrighteousness and depravity, God is not blind. There is no one who does good, not even one. Take it from Romans chapter 3, verse 12. Still, there are others who know they are outcasts. Their behavior is just about moral. They run towards evil, lawlessness, and recklessness. They do not see themselves as good at, at all. The societies in which they reside also classify them as corrupt and rarely punish them with incarnation or even death. Their failures, their failures and lust are visible for all to see. Their addictions, criminal behavior, and disregard for the lives of others is transparent. They are judged by societies and others as bad people. They do they do not follow with social society rules of conduct and they know it. They also assume that God disapproves of the behavior, and as a result, they stand condemned. Well, I'm not agreeing with their bad decisions. I do not see them as in a worse position than those who are moral, arrogant before God. The bad news levels them the player field when it comes to man. The fact that we all are in the same boat together does not mean we all sit in the same way. So the stories of life transformations abound and introduce on a perfect grace. So 
salvation. Their salvation is based on their standards. We must be clear that salvation is free and does not depend on works of any kind. Take this from the start of the week. It's good that the way God has his own system designed is and we know that God's design is perfect. In Revelation 20, it speaks about they all, we all, the, the unbelievers, not believers, the unbelievers who stand as the judgment of Christ based upon their work. And knowing that the scripture says that God would judge them according to whatever they've done, their, their work. Not about their sins, because their sins have already been paid for by the, by Jesus Christ on the cross. But God has really determined to look at them. What is it you see about my son? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? So they come in to the point of the judgment of God because of their own good behavior. They think that they've done some good that God must totally accept them. Wrong. It's not even an issue when it comes to this. It's just the fact that their righteousness donated up to God's righteousness. And so therefore, it will be cast out and be with those who are falling, those fallen angels, and how God will set up a system for them that they will be silent. So this is what I'm getting from the thought of the weeks, coming from Revelation 20. And uh, when I just turn it over to the white, he will lead us into prayer. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, we had a bit of discussion before this recording um, about particular concerns uh, for prayer, so I'm just going to go right into it. Let us bow our heads. Dear Father in heaven, we pray to you with uh, supplications and thanksgiving for this opportunity for being here and for reminding us of who we are in your reality. And we understand that death is a separation, um, but we know that nothing can separate believers from the love of Christ. Not, um, you know, not death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, present, or things to come, nor powers, or heights, or depth, or anything in all creation can separate us from the love of Christ. And with that knowledge, I pray for the families and friends of those who have uh, recently deceased or or um, are in declining health um, and dealing with those challenges. I pray for the comfort that we have been comforted with um, that may touch their lives and may they be, may their eyes be opened to the influence of the Holy Spirit in their heart to hear the tug of, of the Holy Spirit respond to it uh, by turning toward God, changing their minds about this world. And us on this call, I would pray that we would all have humility toward every word that proceeds from your mouth, Father. And I pray for all of Word to Christian Church, uh, wherever they may be, um, that they are in our hearts, or, and, and we do love um, each other um, as brothers and sisters, and, and we um, are eager to speak the truth, uh, the truth in love. I pray for the whole body of Christ around the globe and that wherever persecutions and, and meetings, assemblies may be taking place, that the focus is on your, your word, Father, and who, what your reality is and who they become 
as new creations in Christ. I pray that we would all be eager to seek the unity of the faith, the fullness of Christ and of God, and walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Help us to fight the good fight and keep the faith and be attentive to every word that touches our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, Dave. Thank you, Dwight. We're continuing where we left off. We are in John chapter 16. And we're talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, So just to pick up, uh, we all have notes today. Uh, So John 16, 8 says, When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. And the verses that we're going to cover today about sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So those are the two explanations we'll get from the Word about what he meant when he said uh, about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now judgment we will cover next week, but we will hopefully cover sin and righteousness this week. In your notes, for the world, the Holy Spirit is focusing on the most important subject, salvation. The world desperately needs this information, and they need to hear it directly. If we take away or add to this vital message, we are not partnering with the Holy Spirit, in the work of redemption. From my experience, the church today has allowed the world to tell them what is important. Worse than that, their message has been modified to fit religion's priorities rather than the spirit of truth. Our diligence is especially important in this area. So, we must get our house in order. Speak clearly, directly, and boldly. The Apostles' testimony, quote, to this, to this, to the, to the weak I became weak. To win the weak, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. That's 1 Corinthians 9.23. So we're going to try to look at this. And, you know, we have the benefit of God telling us what he thinks is important regarding sin, regarding righteousness, regarding judgment. We'll we'll get to those things. uh, But we're going to take them slowly and hopefully try to understand what is the point of all of this. You know, as I read this, I could say a couple things. I could say, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to tell people about the love of Jesus. He's going to tell people about how God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. But you know, the most important thing on the mind of God and God the Holy Spirit and Christ is this right here. He could have said those things. In fact, he has. There are other scriptures that deal with what is the gospel. But when it comes to the world, 
these are the things that the Holy Spirit is intent on showing people about what they need to know so that they can be saved. Obviously, that is the goal of the Holy Spirit, that these people get saved. But there are hurdles in the mind of God that have to be addressed. Sin, righteousness, judgment. We're going to talk about those three and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with them. So first point is about sin because people do not believe in me. So as I hear the biblical explanation of why the Holy Spirit is convicting the world about sin, it makes perfect sense when we understand the bad news. Uh, I say that because this is the state in which the, we find the world. They are, like it says in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. Uh, I'll just go ahead and read these verses because we're going to be have, uh, relying on these verses. So we should at least get get them under our belt. He says, as for you, this is Ephesians 2, 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. That's important for us to know. That's where we came from, all of us. Now, of course, we could divide that further into many subdivisions, but really doesn't matter because all of us came from this place. And then if we go to Romans uh, 3, and then if we start reading 9 through 12, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. As it is written, there is, none, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And it also has some terrible things to say about what God thinks about man in this state, which we're not going to get into today, but, but it, you should note it. You should read it. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. You read it. You read it all. Because it's important to the perspective of God concerning unregenerate man, right? We're, we're not just, well, I'm, I'm not that bad. I'm not, when we, we kind of qualify ourselves against others, we will say, well, I'm not as good as this one, but I'm not as bad as that one. So then, therefore, God must think of me probably somewhere in the middle. No, no, we're just as depraved and bankrupt righteously as anybody else in the world no difference between jew or gentile i don't care how what what their religious behavior is all of that this is the way god sees them all unless they have uh, received christ as their savior 
That makes all the difference, we should note. So we're talking about unregenerate man, man who is still in Adam, lost. This is what God thinks about him. There's no exceptions to this. Point B, about sin. Let's get into it. Many would like to have sins listed here and commands to repent of these sins. Like it says in Proverbs, I'd like to turn to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Proverbs 6, this is a very famous passage. If you didn't know it, uh, 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Huh, interesting. God is saying, hey, here are some things I hate. Now, it's not a surprise that the Lord hates sin. And if you notice, all of these sins that he's talking about affect other people. Uh, obviously, sin, when we sin, we could sin against ourselves, our own bodies. But these sins affect others. I don't know if you've noticed that about what he says. These are the things he hates. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush. All these things affect other people. So, this is to note, God hates sin. And we would think about sin when we're in our verse in John chapter 16 and the Holy Spirit's coming with this new ministry. And he's going to tell us something about sin. I think we should all be on the edge of our seats. All of us should want to know what is in, God thinks is important about sin. And it is interesting to me that he does not go into the Ten Commandments, or all these other things about sin that you would imagine are on the hearts of people. He does not even talk about what most churches talk about today. In fact, churches don't really dig into the detail. They'll say Christ died for our sins. But that's not what he says here. It's not even saying Christ died for our sins, even though it is implied. That's not the point. Our sins, and we have to talk about the solution that God has to the sin problem. We should make sure we understand that. Because that's important. Because whatever the Holy Spirit is doing, it is on the back of or on the shoulders of those things. So, the bad news, as I say. So, but it is not what people would most likely think well, about sin. Well, I'm sure he's going to talk about adultery or I'm sure he's going to talk about, you know, this one or that one. He doesn't. That's not, that's not what the Holy Spirit is coming to the world to tell people about their personal sins. That's not the case. For God, that's not the issue. It's dealt with. When the Holy Spirit comes, that's, that's the glorified Christ who's in heaven who authorizes the Holy Spirit to come from the Father. So, so, so it's not about personal sin. Wow. I can't tell you how churches legislate salvation based on personal sin. I mean, if you haven't seen it, that's religion all the way. All they talk about is better stay away from personal sins. And But, you know, I, I'm not 
advocating for sin. That's for sure. I'm not. What I'm saying is, it doesn't have anything to do with salvation. And therefore, the Holy Spirit doesn't even mention it. When he comes to the world, three things are on his mind. And if, and if he says because people don't believe in Christ, well, they don't believe in Christ not because Christ is just some icon. Christ did some things. He's the Savior of the world. He did pay for the sins of the world. Now, when they say they don't believe in me, it has to do with the, the work of Christ that they reject. It's not just, well, I, I don't believe in Christ. It is, I don't believe in Christ because I don't believe that he's the Savior of the world and that he, I don't believe that he paid for my sins and I don't believe that's his righteousness that's important for me to stand before God. Don't believe those things. Rejecting Christ in many forms may t it may take it could be, well, I'm going to do my own works. I, tr I trust that he paid for my sins, but I feel like I can work my, I can be good, and God, you will accept that goodness on my, on my behalf. So they may reject the work of Christ on their behalf, and that's a rejection of Christ. <laughs> I mean, it's clear. Let's keep going. Point C, about sin. We're still talking about about sin. That the Holy Spirit has come into the world to convict the world, reprove the world of. This is what the world is thinking. We have to know. right? This, if he's coming to convict the world, reprove the world, tell them that they're in the wrong about, then this is what the, the world has wrong. This is what the world is thinking, that the Holy Spirit is coming to tell them so that they can correct it and be reconciled to God. So it's about sin, uh, and so so we it already by telling us this it tells us what the world is thinking. So when you talk about sin, the world will lean forward because sin in the world is an issue. Every religion, in fact, in the world now besides Christianity, and besides when I say Christianity, I know there are false. Uh, Christian groups and organizations. I know that. And, and they do teach that you have to have works and they have the Christian banner and all of that. And they teach, yeah, you got to have works for salvation. I know. I know that there are some Christian groups that don't believe Christ died for all sins. There are some Christian groups that thinks everybody is going to be saved. So when I say Christian, I use that loosely. <laughs> but I'm saying here, but when you talk about sin, it is a topic that the world wants to know about. They will lean forward. They will hear you. You mentioned sin in a conversation? People, they stop. What is, he, what is he trying to say? Is he trying to accuse me of sin? Is he, what about sin are you going to say? So I say it's a good way to, for us to understand now, of course, from our perspective, we know when we talk about sin, it is not about something to condemn people, right? And that's, that goes into point D. Make sure you tell them the real story. That God was reconciling the world in, uh, to himself, not uh, in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed 
to us the message of reconciliation. That's 2 Corinthians 5.19. So when we talk about sin, it has a different flavor than what the world is thinking that we're going to say. The world may think, oh yeah, they're Christians. They're going to try to tell us how to live. They're going to tell us if we involve ourselves in certain sins, we're going to be lost forever. That's what they think the world, so they're leaning forward. But when, when they lean forward, make sure you tell them the real story. And people, people there's even people who will say, well, Christ died for my sins. I, I know, I believe that. But really, they don't. Really, they're holding sins against other people. They're holding sins against, when they give the gospel, it's clear. You better repent of, of those sins or else. God didn't, when he, when my sins were poured out and judged in Christ, I wasn't even here to repent. It's done. Christ said, it is finished. He didn't say, well, I'm holding on to see if Doug is going to repent. No, he said, it's finished. God, and God is satisfied with the work of Christ on my behalf. Even before I was born, done. That's what we ought to be thinking about. So we tell people straight that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Well, you know, a lot of people, when you ask them, what does that mean? What do you mean? What does it mean that God is not counting the world's sins against them? It means they're off the hook. They don't have to pay for their sins. They, they don't have to be accountable for their sins. God's not going to charge them with sin. All these things are what that means. It can't mean, yeah, well, you're going to be responsible if you don't repent. It can't mean that, first of all. I don't see how in the world it would mean that. He says he's not counting people's sins against them. Well, why is he not counting people's sins against them? The world wants to know. What, what are you saying? You mean I don't have to, I could sin all I want? And it doesn't matter. You know, people certainly have done that. They have sinned all they wanted. And it does not matter. They have done it. They have sinned all they wanted to sin. So hold on just a moment. 